So today uh, we're going to share a message, and we're going to st- uh, be coming from the book of uh, uh, John. Let me just, I've forgotten what scripture it was here. John chapter 8, so you can turn to that. And uh, this is a bit of a, an odd passage to, uh, to look at for this day. And I was actually, I was at a lunch yesterday with a few pastors, and uh, each was sharing what they'd be uh, preaching over this weekend. And uh, I was like, well, I sh- shared what I would be preaching, and I just felt like, oh, it's a little different. But uh, that's okay. So uh, this message today is one of the final me- uh, uh, messages in a series of messages that have centered around the last words of Christ. So, uh, and I'm going to read the last word of Christ uh, for us in Scripture at the end of this message. But today we just watched a modern dramatization of the scene when Jesus interacts with the adulterous woman found in John chapter 8. Uh, this pa- uh, passage uh, has much to teach us today as we remember the Lord Jesus. You see, today is a day of remembrance for the church around the world. It's the same for all of us. You see, some churches and uh, people are filled with maybe a sense of grief as they mourn the death of Christ uh, in their spirits today. And although today presents a truly, it really is the darkest day in history, the one that Christ died. But it's hard to remain, remain completely somber and remorseful and sad today because today, uh, for me, is like knowing the end of a good movie at the beginning when you start watching it because we know what's to come. Uh, because of the Bible uh, and Scripture, we know that Sunday is coming. And although we feel sorrow, it only lasts for a moment because we know that joy fills our hearts uh, on Sunday morning once again. So let's read John chapter 8 together. We're going to start in verse 2 and go to verse 11. It says this, Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and uh, he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Verse 5, it says, Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Uh, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger to the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, uh, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither, I, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. Amen. So have you, uh, here's a question for you. Have you ever been caught off guard by somebody, by an action, by a word? Has anyone ever been caught off guard? Am I the only one? Okay. It's all, it always uh, happens to me, I feel like, at the worst possible moment. I don't think uh, this statement is true that I'm about to say, but it feels true. It feels like many times when someone asks me a question about God, 
I feel surprised. I feel a little startled. Unaware of what's coming has actually happened to me this week. I was unaware of what was coming. Although uh, this isn't the purpose of the message, we see a principle that Jesus unfolds for us. It says this, The enemy will always look for an opportunity to set us up. I'll say it again. The enemy will always look for an opportunity to set us up. So you see the scribe and Pharisees enter the scene uh, with this woman. They're playing the role of the temple guard, even though they're not. This isn't even their responsibility. So our first point today is this. If you're a note taker, I got one for you. I got a point. And if you're not a note taker, just chill. It's all good. So our first point today is this. Watch out for traps. We must always watch out for traps. A trap has been set in this passage uh, for Jesus. If Jesus says, let her go, then it appears that he breaks the Mosaic law. That's what would uh, appear to have happened. If he says, execute her, he comes across as harsh and he breaks the Roman law. So listen to this. Because the Romans had taken away the right of Jews to officially execute people for religious offenses. So they taken this right away, even though they're asking him to do this. For anyone who claims to have Christ within them, there will be snares along the trail. There'll be obstacles along the way. There will be opportunities for each one of us to falter. You see, Jesus teaches us to be mindful of the traps in front of us. That's what the Lord would say to us. There will always be a trap in front of you. So our first thought for today is watch out for traps. Our second one today is this. Watch out for the religious spirit. Watch out for the religious spirit. And I'll spend a lot of time on this this morning. The law for adultery required many witnesses to witness the act based on the Old Testament law. So if you were going to be caught in an adultery, there needed to be a, basically a crowd or a small crowd of witnesses for the, uh, for the law to be put into effect. Because of the nature of this sin, it's unlikely, it's not impossible, but it's unlikely that many would have been found guilty of this charge. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. You can use your own imagination. Yet the religious leaders, the ones that found this woman caught in adultery, uh, the religious leaders of the day were more concerned about following an ancient law than listening to the teachings of Jesus that speak of grace and forgiveness. You see, the religious leader's goal was to embrace and discredit the knowledge and work of Christ. That's what their attempt was to do. They were trying to say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not who he says he is. He's not that powerful. He doesn't know everything. Those were the sorts of messages they were trying to put across. Have you ever, uh, have you had someone uh, bring charges or accusations against you in an effort to find guilt in what you've done? Yes, we've all been through that. Probably many of us have experienced this in one form or another in our lifetime. If you're like me and the rules of the road are uh, relative, you have chances where people will bring accusations against you. And by the way, I'm doing better in Espanola with my speeding issues. (laughs) I haven't even been to court here. It's good. (laughs) My mother-in-law, she doesn't call me. 
she asked me for court advice recently. Oh, I'm not supposed to talk about that. She talked to me on the phone about it. I felt like a lawyer. It was, oh, it was so awesome. It was maybe the proudest moment of me being a son-in-law. Okay. <laughs> Who knows if it will happen again. <laughs> All right. My mother-in-law, the criminal. Okay, we'll leave it at that. All right. She doesn't watch this, I don't think. She does? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus has enough of these religious leaders who claim to be upholding the right side of the law. There's enough of these people around. You see, the religious person, the religious leader, cares nothing for righteousness. They care nothing for righteousness. This woman is claimed to have being caught in adultery. But where is her partner? Where's the other person, right? As the old saying goes, it takes two to tango. I read a commentary that argued that, that even this woman was set up by being with a man from the group of accusers. Think about that, that even this woman was set up to set up Christ as a possibility. That's not what the scripture says, it's just a thought. I read this this week, and I wanted to share it today. I really think it's a word from the Lord. A religious spirit sees clearly the sin in others, but is blind to the sin in themselves. A religious spirit sees clearly the sin in others, but is blind to the sin in themselves. Our third point today is this. Jesus ignores. Why does Jesus ignore when he's playing around in the sand? He's got his finger in there. He's like a child at the beach kind of thing. Why does Jesus ignore? Did he despise these religious leaders? Was he embarrassed for the woman's sake? Was he horrified at what these men had done to this woman? The response we know Jesus gave was that he knelt down onto the ground and he ignored the religious leaders. He ignored them. Some scholars have noted that maybe in the sand, Jesus wrote the names of the accusers. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Or even better, maybe he wrote their sins in the sand. Or, and this is my favorite uh, possibility, or he simply doodled in the sand. <laughs> I heard in a sermon uh, many, many years ago, that even in this moment, Jesus teaches us another principle. Even when he's drawing in the sand, he teaches us another principle. I've personally tried to carry this principle uh, for most of my life since I heard this. And here it is. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Jesus shows us true patience he also shows us the respect he has for this accused woman the religious spirit thinks that it can surprise the lord with an accusation that's what the religious spirit says the lord jesus has knowledge of all things before it happens that's what the religious spirit says isaiah 46 verse 10 says this declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and i will accomplish all my purposes god has already declared the end from the beginning 
It's already been done. It's already been said. You see, we think that through trickery or scheming, we can surprise the Lord. This is at least what a religious spirit would have us believe, that we can deceive Jesus in some way. Church, you can find a religious spirit in any church, any denomination, and pretty much any religion. The religious spirit focuses on the wrongs we've done instead of what Christ has done through us. That's what that spirit does. I try not to use this word, but I've certainly, uh, word and phrase, but I've certainly heard it a number of times in conversations uh, with many believers. The phrase is this, I heard it through the grapevine. That phrase makes my neck quiver, unlike uh, many other things that have been spoken. In my experience, it gives me, uh, the person that's hearing things through the grapevine, permission to say something that is at its core an accusation and nothing else. That's what it is. The religious spirit attempts to bring shame where there is no shame because of Jesus. He's the one that changes all of that. He's the one that changes it. But because of Jesus, we have no shame. We don't need to worry about words that are spoken about us or around us or anything like that. You see, the Lord's response to the woman at the well was, of course, this. Go and sin no more. That was his response to the woman. These are his, his words to all of us. I, when I read these words, I take it to heart in my spirit. So our fourth point today and our closing point is this. Go. That's our point. That's the statement, our conclusion. So we conclude our message today with this one word, go. The Lord Jesus has mighty plans for every single person here today. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, how uh, strong you feel or how weak you feel, but God has a mighty purpose and plan for every single one of us. You see, our purpose in gathering today is remembering His death upon the cross. You see, every day that you and I walk in the fullness of grace and forgiveness is a day that we are celebrating Christ's death and resurrection. When we walk in freedom from our sinful past, we are celebrating the Lord Jesus who died on a cross and three days later rose again. So today I'm going to conclude with the last words that Jesus spoke on the cross. It says this in John 19, uh, verse 29 to 30. It says, A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So today we end with the last word of Christ from the cross. You wouldn't be here today if you weren't aware of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You wouldn't be here otherwise. You see, we sang just a few moments ago, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross 
till my trophies at last I lay down, and I will cling to that old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. The cross reminds us that what happens on this side of eternity is meaningless without Christ. That's what the cross reminds us of. The cross reminds us that everything we do on this side of heaven prepares us for an eternity with the Lord Jesus. Without Him, we are nothing. I'm nothing, you're nothing. We're just big pounds of flesh waddling around like chickens in a chicken coop. I don't know. May this be our heart's desire today as we share communion in just a few moments together and remember the Lord Jesus, that we remember it's about that old rugged cross. And there's nothing that anyone can say or do or try to convince me up to say that that cross is less relevant today than it was the day that Jesus hung on it for my sins. There's nothing that can be said or reiterated to me to change my mind because I will cling to that old rugged cross.